Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what's weird? I'll tell you what's weird to me. At this moment, when drums are beating, I know for sure on this side of the Atlantic, drums of possible war regarding Russia and Ukraine. What's weird in all the coverage? Nobody mentions 1989. 1989 is when the Berlin Wall came down and allowed Germany to reunite. And Mikhail Gorbachev, then the head of the then Soviet Union, was a little concerned about the whole German reunification thing. Germany had been split up after World War II, a war in which the Soviet Union lost 20 million soldiers and civilians. They think they won World War II. They're amused that we think we won World War II. And Gorbachev made his um, discomfort known as his country was on its own path towards dissolution and got reassurances, he did, from Secretary of State James Baker and other officials of the then George H.W. Bush administration that if, after the Berlin Wall came down, Germany did reunify, that would not be connected to any eastward extension towards Russia of NATO. Repeated reassurances. There are documents at the National Security Archive, a nonprofit private organization, that are on the internet that attest to these reassurances. And weirdly enough, after Bill Clinton became president, NATO went on a definite eastward expansion toward the borders of Russia. I know we don't have spheres of influence anymore, except in the Western Hemisphere. But I'm just, just waiting for somebody to mention this. In the meantime, I thought I would. Hello, welcome to the show.
from Southern California and the home of the homeless. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. The Olympics is coming right up, so maybe we should have some... News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Eversall III. Well, these warnings are all over the internet this weekend. Competitors at the Beijing Winter Olympics, coming up, will face a, quote, Orwellian surveillance state, unquote, in China, could put themselves in danger if they speak out in support of the Uyghur Muslims, human rights, and athlete advisory groups have said. In a blunt message before the games begin on February 4th, those uh, groups also warned athletes not to expect the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, to protect them if they were to stand up for human rights or were critical of the Chinese authorities. <laughs> well, really? Yaku Wang, Wang, sorry, a researcher on China for Human Rights Watch, said the disappearance of the uh, tennis player Peng Shuai was a good indicator of what could possibly happen if athletes speak out. Quote, Chinese laws are very vague on the crimes that can be used to prosecute people's free speech, she said. People can be charged with picking quarrels or provoking trouble. There are all kinds of crimes that can be leveled at peaceful critical comments. And in China, the conviction rate is 99%. Wow, they must have good juries. The authorities use across the country now tools like AI and predictive policing, big data databases, extensive surveillance of social media platforms. And that's, uh, according to the China Director of Human Rights Watch, that keeps people from engaging in certain kinds of conversations. Anyone who's traveling to the country for these games needs to be aware this kind of surveillance could affect them. The American team is telling its athletes not to talk about human rights for their own safety. My advice to uh, athletes, says a U.S. Nordic skier who competed at the 2014 Winter Olympics, my advice, stay silent. They can speak out when they get back, unquote. Of course, then nobody will want to hear from them because the Olympics is over. It is absolutely... Ridiculous that we're telling athletes to be quiet, says Rick, uh, Rob Kohler, Director General of uh, the International Sports Athlete Advocate Organization, Global Athlete. He continues, the IOC has not come out proactively to indicate it will protect them. Silence is complicity, and that's why we have concerns. China will not permit ticket sales to any individuals at the Beijing Olympics and Paralympics. That's a move Olympic officials say is designed to prevent COVID spread. That decision coming just weeks before thousands of international athletes and officials arrive in China for the Games is a sharp departure. Previous plans were to allow Chinese citizens into the events. Although no international visitors, that was true starting last September. Australia's sports minister says potential restrictions on athlete speech 
are very concerning. And Yang Shu, Deputy Director of International Relations for the Beijing Organizing Committee, told a press conference this week that dedicated departments would investigate athletes' comments at the Games. Any expression that is in line with the Olympic spirit, I'm sure, will be protected, he said. Any behavior or speech that is against the Olympic spirits are also subject to certain punishment. And finally, a study from researchers at the University of Waterloo in Canada has deduced that failure to reduce global emissions may mean that only one of the previous 21 Winter Olympics host cities would in the future be able to produce fair and safe conditions for such events. Study involved researchers from Canada, Austria, and the United States warned that climate change will limit where the games can be held as winter changes across the northern hemisphere. We'll try the southern. If the aims of the Paris Climate Agreement can be achieved, the number of climate-reliable hosts would climb to eight, only six considered unreliable. Paris Agreement's main objective, as you know, is to keep the global temperature rise below two degrees Celsius in this century. Squaw Valley in the United States, Chamonix in France, and a German town that, whose name cannot be pronounced, as well as Russia's Sochi, are already considered unreliable because of their relatively higher temperatures and the wet snow conditions this creates. Sorry, wet snow. The study found that by the end of the 21st century, only Sapporo in Japan would be considered an appropriate host for the Winter Olympics if emissions are not reduced sufficiently. According to the study, the average February daytime temperature of host cities has seen a steady increase. Games held from the 1920s to 50s averaged 0.4 Celsius. Those from the 60s to the 90s rose to 3.1 degrees Celsius. Games in the 21st century, including this Beijing, recorded an average of 6.3 degrees Celsius. The International Olympic Committee will have increasingly difficult decisions about where to award the Olympics, says Xiao Ma of the University of Arkansas, continuing, but the world's best athletes who have dedicated their lives to sports deserve to have the Olympics located in places that can reliably deliver safe and fair competitions. They deserve it because they spent years training in snow stuff. All right, then. A new right. And not, not politically. Not right wing. Just a new right enshrined now. The right to have a place where you can have the Winter Olympics. It's a movement. And we all need one. Every day. And now... News of the Godly. According to an investigation conducted by the German law firm Westfall Spilker, sorry, Spilker Vasti, before he became Pope, before he became Pope Benedict, that means say something good, doesn't it? Benedict, benediction is a good, saying a good thing. Anyway, before he became that Pope, Joseph Ratzinger, his real name, knowingly allowed rampant clerical sex abuse to continue at a time when he was head of the Munich Diocese. 
During his time in office, there were abuse cases happening, according to Martin Pusch, who headed the investigation ordered by the German church. In those cases, those priests continued their work without sanctions. The church did not do anything, unquote. That that global systemic sex abuse at the hands of priests went on unchecked for decades is well known by now. The German church had found that more than 3,600 victims had been raped and sexually abused by priests between 1946 and 2014. That led to the order for the report. What makes this case so important, according to the Daily Beast, is that Ratzinger, before he became pope, also led the Holy See Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. That's the Catholic Church's own watchdog. He was appointed to that position after his work in the German church, which is now clearly under question. Many victims of sexual abuse have long thought he did not do enough when he was head of that office, which could have stopped the abuse from happening from the top. Instead, he ignored those reports. In the case of the German church, Puch said they can tie Ratzinger to a number of specific cases, specifically four. Two of these cases concerned abuses committed during his tenure and sanctioned by the state. In both cases, the perpetrators remained active in pastoral care. That feels nice. Benedict, who was the first pope to retire in more than four centuries, said he did not remember the specific cases. I can only, as you know, acknowledge it with profound consternation, he wrote at the time of his resignation, but I never tried to cover up these things, he said. Push accused the former pontiff, now 94, of being defensive in his cooperation with the report, which was commissioned by the German church that he was once an integral part of. Ratzinger was not the only German prelate found negligent. Cardinal Reinhard Marx, he currently heads the Diocese of Munich and is a key ally of Pope Francis, the talking pope, also failed in at least two cases, according to the lawyer. Marx offered his resignation to Francis last year when the report was commissioned. Francis told him to stay on his job. On Thursday of this week, Marx apologized for the sins of the church, but not for his own. As the current archbishop, I apologize on behalf of the archdiocese for the suffering inflicted on people in the area of the church in recent decades, he said in a statement. Now is the time to pick up the momentum that the report gives and to take further steps into the future. Unquote. Victims groups believe the time for change has long passed. And also, Benedict, he denied that he was given information about child abuse in the Legionaries of Christ religious order when he was the top Vatican official. That's a case that has tarnished the reputation of his predecessor, John Paul II. Founded by a Mexican cleric, Marcial Maciel, in 1941, and you heard of him mentioned in this context on this program some years ago, the Legionaries of Christ Order was heavily favored during the conservative papacy of John Paul II. He praised Maciel's work in reaching out to and evangelizing young people. Maciel turned out to be one of the Catholic Church's most notorious pedophiles, abusing children he had fathered secretly with at least two women while living a double life and being celebrated by the Vatican and Church conservatives.
If only they knew. Although allegations were made against Maciel as early as 1954, the Vatican and the Order only began slowly acknowledging his abuse in 2006, when Benedict, as newly elected Pope, ordered him to retire to a life of prayer and penitence. Wow. Those wrists must hurt. Maciel died in 2008. Pope Francis, a couple of years ago, told the legionaries they still had a long road of reform ahead of him. Or them. John Paul II was made a saint in 2014, nine years after his death. A declaration by the church that his life was so exemplary, according to Reuters, that he was sure to be in heaven. Allegations that he failed to discipline abusers have tarnished that legacy. Many of them, many of the critics, now saying his canonization was too hasty. Too soon a saint. News of the Godly. And now, the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. Superstar, I love that word, LeBron James issued an apology to Los Angeles Lakers superfans last week after the team's latest setback. The Denver Nuggets torched the Lakers by 37 points a week ago. After a four-game winning streak, the Lakers have lost three straight to drop under 500. Laker Nation, or uh, hashtag Laker Nation, I apologize and I promise will be better, James uh, posted a week ago. Lakers came into the season with championship aspirations after trading for future future Hall of Famer Russell Westbrook in the offseason. They've sorely underachieved. They're not happy with Westbrook. A Pennsylvania school district apologized this week after a photo of a teacher taping a mask on a student went, went viral. The North Penn School District said in a statement that the image, quote, does not represent the universal values that the North Penn School District strives to instill in both our students and staff, unquote. District said it had conducted an investigation into the incident, found it was isolated. It added that while no malice was intended, the teacher's actions were entirely inappropriate and unacceptable, no matter the context. The statement continued, We understand that the act of taping a mask to a student's face is concerning to many and apologize that it occurred. The matter is serious. It's being addressed with the employee. However, all personnel and student matters are confidential. No further information can be provided. District didn't comment about whether the teacher would face disciplinary action. The photo was posted on the North Penn Stronger Together Facebook page. The mother of the student issued a statement saying she had intended the photo to be shared only in a private group and under no circumstances to be shared publicly. Quote, certain individuals felt compelled to take matters into their own hands, including contacting local authorities and disseminating this image of my son to various media outlets, the mother said to North Penn Now. Adele has postponed her entire Las Vegas residency just 24 hours before the opening night. Quote, I'm so sorry, but my show ain't ready. Unquote the star from a tearful update on Instagram. Quote, half my team have COVID and it's been impossible to finish the show. 
Delivery delays have also played havoc with her plans, she said. She was due to play the first of 24 concerts as at the Caesars Palace Coliseum on Friday. Thing was announced in late November. Weekends with Adele was scheduled to have the singer performing two shows every weekend until April. Tickets ranged from $85 to $685. She was forecast to make more than $600,000 per performance. Oh, I bet she's sorry. That would have been her first live concerts in five years. The only shows she's announced to promote her blockbuster fourth album, 30. On Instagram, Adele said she'd been awake for 30 hours, unquote, trying to rescue the production, but had simply run out of time. It's been impossible to finish the show. I can't give you what I have right now. And I'm gutted, unquote. She also apologized to fans who had already arrived in Las Vegas for the opening weekend. Quote, I'm sorry it's last minute. I'm so upset. And I'm really embarrassed. And I'm so sorry to everyone that's traveled again. We're going to reschedule all the dates. We're on it right now. And I'm going to finish my show. I want to get it to where it's supposed to be. But we've been up against so much. And it just ain't ready. Some fans are facing losing hundreds, hundreds of dollars from flight and hotel bookings, which she signaled had to be canceled 24 hours in advance, no more. A pastor at a megachurch based in Tulsa, Oklahoma, apologized on Twitter for rubbing his spit on a member of his church captured in a viral video. The pastor, Michael Todd of Transformation Church said in the video that his demonstration during a sermon was, quote, disgusting and a distraction after watching footage from the service. Quote, I was trying to make the word come alive, he said of the video in which he spits on his hand before rubbing a man's face on stage in front of congregants. Just before spitting on his hand, he said, quote, receiving vision from God might get nasty, unquote. The man on stage next to Todd was identified as his brother Brentham, according to the Tulsa World. In the video, there's an audible gasp from the audience, to which Todd responds, How you just reacted is how the people in your life will react when God is doing what it takes for the miracle. Unquote. Todd's apology came after negative reactions to the initial video, which, yes, spread across the Internet. Quote, It's never my intention to distract others from God's word, even with illustrations, he wrote on Twitter. I apologize for my example being too extreme and disgusting. I love everybody. We look forward to the sufficiently extreme and disgusting gestures in his future appearances. Deadline London, the family of a British gunman who held four people hostage at a synagogue in Texas. They've apologized for his actions. They say there was nothing they could have done to get him to surrender during the incident. Malik Faisal Akram, 44-year-old man from Lancashire in England, was named by the FBI as the gunman who held four people hostage at the congregation Beth Israel for nearly 10 hours last week. All hostages escaped unharmed. Authorities said Akram died during the standoff, didn't author offer th further details. His brother, Gwilbar, said in a statement, the family tried to help authorities in negotiations during the standoff. Akram was suffering from mental health issues, the family added. There was nothing we could have said to him or done that would have convinced him to surrender, 
His brother said in a statement, he apologized to the hostages on the family's behalf, adding they do not condone any of his brother's actions. We are absolutely devastated as a family, the statement read. Any attack on any human being, they added, is wrong and should always be condemned. The British Columbia Center for Disease Control has apologized after quietly changing its isolation guidelines online several times this week. At one point, it switched up its advice for unvaccinated adults twice in one day. There's your pivot. The center issued a statement Thursday admitting its flip-flopping changes, quote, led to confusion, unquote, at a time when patients and families are already feeling battered and burnt out. Quote, we apologize for the web posting and changes that occurred yesterday. We understand the significant interest in these testing and isolation guidelines, which is why we updated the website immediately, statement read. We also recognize, they continued, that people in British Columbia are frustrated with the pandemic. They want and need clear communication on changes that impact their lives. We will strive to ensure there's a better change management process for future changes, unquote. On Tuesday, the center updated its guidelines online to say people who test positive for COVID could isolate for only five days, whether vaccinated or not. Less than a day later, the post changed again. The advice for unvaccinated adults isolate for 10 days after testing positive. Guidance also changed for children and teens under 17, dropping the isolation period down to five days no matter what their vaccination status is. I've just read it and I'm confused. More COVID apologies. An American Airlines passenger plane bound for London turned around mid-flight due to a mask-related disruption this week. American Airlines Flight 38 from Miami to London returned to Miami due to a disruptive customer refusing to comply with a federal mask requirement. Unquote. An American Airlines statement, local law enforcement met the flight at Miami Airport. The police department told CNN it was called by the airline regarding a female passenger who refused to wear a mask. Once the plane made it to the gate, the passenger was escorted off by Miami police officers without incident. She was then dealt with by American Airlines staff, said a statement from the police department. The flight was canceled after the incident, leaving 129 passengers and 14 crew aboard. No injuries to customers or crew. Quote, we thank our crew for their professionalism and apologize to our customers for the incident and the inconvenience, Americans said. Unclear whether the passenger involved will face enforcement action from the FAA. Last year was the worst on record for unruly airplane passenger behavior in the United States. Deadline Oklahoma City, Oklahoma State Representative Jose Cruz announced his resignation because of allegedly acting inappropriately during a gathering. Really? He was doing a uh, Boris Johnson? He put in his resignation. It was effective last Friday. In a statement provided by a political consultant, Cruz said he's upset and embarrassed with himself. With a heavy heart, I'm resigning as the representative for House District 89. I started 2022 by exercising poor judgment and acting inappropriately during a gathering. I deeply regret my conduct and that my actions made someone else uncomfortable. I'm upset with myself and embarrassed. My actions on New Year's Eve did not reflect my values and beliefs. 
I think we could all say that. I consider myself a champion of women and have deep respect for my female colleagues and friends. However, my conduct that evening was inappropriate. I apologize. I must resign my seat, take steps to right my wrongs, and learn from this experience. Here's a, an apology that was emailed to a bunch of folks, or, or actually tweeted to a bunch of folks. Dear folks, this morning you received our weekly recipe of the week email which is sent to you every Friday. This is from the Weber's Bread people. In today's email, we highlighted a grilled meatloaf recipe. At the time we shared this recipe with you, we were not aware of the unfortunate passing of American singer and actor Meatloaf. We want to apologize, express our deepest apologies for this oversight and for any offense this email may have caused. We send our condolences to Mr. A. Day's his real name is Marvin Lee A-Day, his family and fans, thank you for understanding the Weber family. Now news of minor league hockey. San Jose Barracuda forward Crystal Hrabic issued a public apology this week, hours after the league, that is the American Hockey League, gave him a 30-game suspension for making a racist gesture toward Tucson Roadrunners left-wing Boko Imama. CBS Sports points out he, Boko Imama, is black. The incident, which Robick said he's embarrassed of, took place during um, a game on January 12th. He's, in a statement, Robick says he's ashamed by the suspension, takes full responsibility for his actions, but he doesn't, however, admit to having any racist intent while making the gesture. Quote, The gesture was made in the heat of battle, and while I didn't mean anything racist by what I did, I realize now through my own ignorance how my gesture could be interpreted. I alone am responsible for that. It was terrible. I make no excuses. When I heard about Boko's reaction to the gesture, I was horrified by what I had done. Boko is a player I respect. I'm so sorry for putting him through this situation. I sent a personal apology to Boko. Sincerely hope that he will forgive me. I also want to apologize to the American Hockey League, the San Jose Barracuda, the Tucson Roadrunners, and to my teammates. Roadrunners staff informed the league of Harabic directing a monkey gesture towards Obama after their game. The league confirmed the incident through video. The Apologies of the Week, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Monkey, yeah. Heavy on the papa, working on the mama monkey. Picking up the skirty, looking for the dirty monkey. Nada. Turkey, yeah. Any double eat the any double beat the turkey. I hush it up beside you, rushing with the tidy turkey. Living all alone in 
From Santa Monica, this is Le Show, one addition to the news of the godly. Pope Francis, at the end of the week, pledged to apply justice for the victims of sexual abuse by members of the Catholic Church. That's a day after that report came out, blaming, uh, fingering, I should say, Pope Benedict XVI. Pope Francis did not explicitly mention that report in his address, but he highlighted the recent reforms to the canon law that aimed to enable the church to hold abusers to account better. He called for its strict application. Two of the cases mentioned in the report pointed to perpetrators who had been punished by the German judicial system but were allegedly allowed to continue their work for the church, avoiding consequences under canonical law. The uh, report makes the extent of the abuse and breach of dirty <laughs> breach of duty by the church officials shockingly clear said a well the german chancellor's spokeswoman christiane hoffman she added it's crucial that confidence in the process of coming to terms with the past is strengthened in the catholic church four cases relate to the time as i mentioned when ratzinger held the role of archbishop in munich another 21 have been connected to his successor Friedrich Wetter, 
Four cases relate to the time when Ratzinger held the role. Another 21 have come in connected to Vetter. Another two have been connected to the current Archbishop of Munich, Cardinal Marx, mentioned earlier in this broadcast. All right, thank you, Francis, for being the talking pope. Ladies and gentlemen, not widely reported this week, Ghislaine Maxwell, the reputed handmaiden to Jeffrey Epstein, the woman who corralled, recruited, maintained the bevy of underage females in the Jeffrey Epstein world, the island, the hotels, the thing. Uh, She, through her lawyers, has said she no longer objects to the revealing of the names of eight people who were mentioned in um, her trial and in earlier judicial proceedings on the subject. They are referred to in the reporting as eight John Doe's. Eight men in a scandal. So we can guess their games Were they paneling around in Manhattan Or on the Lolita Express Being known as part of a pedophile ring Can cause any famous guy stress Was one a president or a Hollywood resident Or a prominent CEO Was one a senator or a big music star America needs to Yes, and here's the latest from uh, 
John Sopko's office, the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, the CIGAR. Afghanistan Reconstruction. I remember that. Months before President Biden announced the U.S. complete withdrawal from Afghanistan last year, Sopko, the CIGAR, Washington's watchdog, warned the Afghan Air Force would collapse without critical American aid, training, and maintenance. The report, that particular report, was declassified this week, before which it had been classified. But I point out the obvious to you from time to time. The report submitted to the Department of Defense in January of last year underscores that American authorities have been alerted that Afghanistan's Air Force did not have the capabilities to survive after a U.S. withdrawal. In particular, the report points to U.S. failure, I said U.S. failure, I don't know how that happened, to train Afghan support staff, leaving the Air Force unable to maintain its aircraft without American contractors. Why, that sounds like U.S. air support to government forces was key in the 20-year war. Its removal, along with the inability of the Afghan Air Force to fill the void, was one factor contributing to the Taliban's sweeping victory, according to the Associated Press. The Inspector General's office said it's rare for SIGAR reports to be classified, but when they are, a declassified version is issued by the Pentagon in under two months. The office said it did not know why it took the Defense Department more than a year to declassify this particular report, or why it did so now, five months after the Taliban took power. I guess they didn't want the takeover ceremony to uh, be too triumphant. That's just a guess. And now... I just want to say one word to you. Just one word... Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. Hey, those microplastics, particularly nanoplastics, they're even smaller, they're everywhere, including both the Arctic and the Antarctic. Nanoplastics now pollute the North and South Poles. Scientists have discovered for the first time, according to the British paper The Independent, the particles are described as those produced unintentionally from the manufacturing of plastic items and when they break down. They're microscopic in size, ranging from 1 to 1,000 nanometers. That's 4 billionths to 4 millionths of an inch. Those are teeny tiny. Why aren't they happy where they... Why do they have to trap? Scientists from Utrecht University in the Netherlands reported this week that decades-old ice in the northern and southern pole regions contains significant amounts of nanoscale plastic particles. The 14-meter-deep ice cores from Greenland and Antarctica revealed several types of nanoplastics, including particles from tires. While there were several types of nanoplastic, the most prominent were polyethylene. You're your old friend, polyethylene, accounting for more than half of the particles. Polyethylene is commonly used in packaging film, plastic shopping bags, uh-huh, bottles, uh-huh, 
toys, uh-huh, and household items, uh-huh. The amount of nanoplastics also appeared to differ between the North and the South ice core samples, more of a presence at the South Pole, whereas, of course, more of the people who make and use plastics are in the Northern Hemisphere. Huh. Nanoplastics, along with microplastics, five millimeters in diameter or less, are among the most prevalent human-made pollutants in marine ecosystems. They pose a toxic threat to species in the relatively untouched and pristine polar regions. That'll teach you to be pristine. Oh, pristine? A report earlier this week from the International Environmental Investigation Agency said the global threat from plastic pollution is almost equivalent to the climate crisis. The overproduction of plastics now poses a major threat to the planet's basic ability to maintain a habitable environment, uh, warned. That's the International Environment Investigation Agency. It called for a new United Nations treaty to provoke or promote better interventions against the crisis. It cited previous studies warning that the amount of virgin plastic in the ocean is expected to triple by 2040. Don't tell Richard Branson, he'll try to copyright it. The new nanoplastic research was conducted by a team of scientists from Utrecht University, the University of Copenhagen, and the Université Libre de Bruxelles. That's Brussels to you and me. Just one word, microplastics. Now, some other words. Now more about the kerfuffle, apparently limited to the United States. Other countries seem to have figured this out. The kerfuffle between airlines and cellular communications companies regarding the rollout of 5G service due to the interesting fact that 5G services on channels directly adjacent to the channels for altimeters, which tell planes, tell pilots really, planes don't know, how far the planes are from the ground. Useful thing when there's no visibility. Now this week, Emirates, Air India, ANA, and Japan Airlines have all announced they're canceling some flights to the U.S. due to the rollout of 5G on the C-band, one of the two frequency bands used for 5G in the United States, over concerns it could potentially interfere with some instruments, particularly on Boeing 777 aircraft. This comes as cell carriers, federal agencies, airlines, and airplane manufacturers all struggle to reach an agreement on policies regarding how the rollout should be handled. ANA in uh, Eastern Airline, not Eastern Airlines, it's an Eastern World Airline, cites specific guidance from Boeing saying that Boeing has announced flight restrictions on all airlines operating the 777 aircraft. Japan Airlines also cites a notification from Boeing 
saying it was told that 5G signals for U.S. mobile phones begin operating in the U.S. on January 19th may interfere with the radio wave altimeter installed on the Boeing 777. Emirates' announcement is one of the clearest about what's being canceled. The airline, the world's largest operator of the Boeing 777, says it's suspending flights to the following U.S. destinations starting January 19th, until further notice. Those destinations, Boston, Chicago, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Miami, Newark, Orlando, San Francisco, and Seattle. It will continue to fly to New York, L.A., and Washington. Emirates says it's working closely with aircraft manufacturers and the relevant authorities to alleviate operational concerns. Hopes to start flying to the U.S. again. As soon as it's able, more airlines were affected as the day progressed. That would be January 18th. Reuters reports that Taiwan's China Airlines will reschedule some flights. South Korea's Korean Airlines switched away from the 777 and 747-8 aircraft on six flights to the U.S. Hong Kong's Cathay Pacific, it's prepared to use different planes if necessary. Lufthansa had canceled at least one U.S. flight switching from the Boeing 747-8 to the 747-400 aircraft on some U.S. routes. Air India, Singapore Airlines, and Austrian Airlines are also switching out 777 aircraft for U.S. flights. Airline operators in the U.S. warned earlier in the day the 5G rollout could cause, quote, catastrophic disruption, unquote, to their flight schedules. According to the FAA, the concern is that the C-band 5G signals could interfere with the radar altimeters used in some planes, creating a safety issue. Boeing didn't respond immediately to a request to confirm, a request from the Verge website that confirmed that it had sent out an advisory. Its competitor, Airbus, said that it will be working, quote, as a part of a wider industry coalition, unquote, to study the issue further and work toward solutions. The the FAA's statements on 5G has a statement from January 16th listing the airplane models that have been approved to land at some airports under low visibility conditions. Both AT&T and Verizon announced they would voluntarily delay 5G upgrades near certain airports. The chairwoman of the FCC says... It's essential the FAA now completes its process of assessing altimeter performance and the effect that the new 5G communication can have on it with both care and speed, unquote. And uh, finally, on this week's list show, we have time for one more Olympics item about the sustainability, the green ability of the Beijing Winter Olympics. Under Xi Jinping, the new head of China, the current head of China, the Communist Party has prioritized environmental causes and become more intolerant of activists who challenge official propaganda. Those seem to be contrary goals, don't they? During the 2008 Summer Games, Beijing's smog, energy-intensive, and water-depleting construction were subjects of widespread debate and scrutiny from Chinese and international groups. Few external assessments of sustainability exist for 
Beijing 2022, according to the Washington Post. In 2008, clean air was guaranteed for the Games by closing Beijing's last steelmaking factory. Non-essential polluters were shuttered. Air quality did improve by as much as 50%. Beijing's smog has thinned dramatically since then. Even so, average levels of pollutants in the capital's air remain far above World Health Organization guidelines. He Ping, founding president of the International Fund for Chinese Environment, warned last year that ensuring blue skies for the Olympics remained an urgent task despite progress in the war on pollution because some sources of smog had been overlooked. Quote, if special measures are not taken to target industrial water vapor and ammonia emissions, widespread haze during the Winter Olympics will be difficult to avoid. China's pledge of an environmentally sustainable Olympics is part of a national goal to hit peak carbon dioxide emissions before 2030. Such the Games are kind of a demonstration zone within the Olympic bubble. Participants will be transported on more than 1,000 hydrogen-powered buses. Any non-renewable energy use will be offset with reforestation. But many aspects of the plan appear to skirt a fine line between environmental protection and degradation. Early plans for the snow sport venues had to be redrawn after biologists noticed the proposed routes would cut through a protected forest. After the adjustment, 20,000 trees that remained in the way of construction were transplanted to a new forest park. Despite almost total reliance on artificial snow, Authorities have promised freedom of snow use. They also propose that this process is environmentally friendly. It remains clear on how Beijing has been able to ensure vast quantities of artificial snow without depleting water supplies. Not only is it cold in Beijing during the wintertime, it's dry, approaching arid. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Back next week with a fresh new example of the same old thing. And it would be just like Ivanka Trump testifying before the January 6th Select Committee. If you would agree to be with me then, would you already? Thank you very much. Uh huh. Tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego desk and to Pam Halstead. 
and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I t-shirts, Cars I Talk t-shirts, even better. The playlist of the music here, and my email address, you know, for the show, not the real one. All at harryshearer.com, and I'm on Twitter at TheHarryShearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Changes Easy Radio Network. So long from the home of the homeless. <laughs>